three, two, one. And welcome back to the official review live. I'm Mitchell Graham. And I'm Zach Brown. And it's episode 46. And this is not how we had planned to do this, but blame my computer. And it's stupid updates and it's stupid whatever. At the end of our recording, it goes out completely and we could not recover the audio. So we are here to do the, the episode live. Um, so hopefully we're doing the whole thing over again. We're doing the whole thing over again and we're going to act just as excited. <laughs> we're going to be just as excited about everything that we have to talk about today. We do some good things is we do have some updates on some of the things we talked about yeah. in the first. And so we can kind of dive more in depth about those things. So I will, uh, that's, that's good. I know we want to start with some postseason talk. I was going to sure. let people get in here for a minute, but uh, I think we, uh, when we get it all uh, set, let's talk about the MLB postseason. We are one day away from the World Series. So let's just let's get it. Yeah. So tomorrow night uh, begins game one of the World Series of the Phillies and Astros. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of a, a weird postseason, especially on the National League side. Um, the, the wild card teams are the ones that made it all the way through. Uh, you know, people are going to talk about, you know, the whole five days off thing, you know, and whether or not we should do away with that. I mean, everybody had the same chance. The Astros had four days off. They didn't lose a single game. They're they're undefeated in the playoffs right now. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's really much of an excuse, uh, but no. Astros Phillies game one tomorrow night. Um, and I think it's Nola versus, um, I think Verlander. I, I think, think Verlander's going game one. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be an interesting series. I think <clears throat> I'm going to pick the Astros to win it in six. Um, I wouldn't surprise me if the Phillies won because they, they seem red hot, but, uh, the Phillies are taking five days off right now. And so are the Astros, but the Phillies never had that five day time period off. They jumped right into the postseason, the wild card round. So they 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 rode that momentum, whereas the Astros already have experience taking five days off and they didn't lose a game. So I think that's going to be the advantage. I think the Astros are are angry that they've only won one World Series in the last six years and they've made four appearances. I think Dusty Baker finally, um, you know, wants to get a World Series for him as he is the um, he's the oldest manager to ever appear in a World Series and he's also has the record for most managerial wins by a manager that has not won a World Series. So I'm rooting for Dusty Baker. Um, the Phillies, it's a nice story. Again, it wouldn't surprise me necessarily if they won, but I'm actually rooting that they don't win because uh, throughout Major League history, every year that the Phillies win the World Series, uh, the United <laughs> States suffers a, a major financial crisis. So I mean, let's pray the Phillies don't win because we do not need a financial crisis right now. I think we're kind of, I think it's kind of foreshadowing because aren't we kind of in a financial crisis? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the Phillies are probably winning. <laughs> Phillies are going to win the World Series. Um, I agree with you. I think the, the Astros are the best team in baseball right now. They haven't lost in the postseason. The Mariners are, a, a, I mean, Mariners are a good team and they kind of just handled them. I know yeah. they had the 18 inning game, which is ridiculous. Um, that was 0 0, which I would have probably left by the 10th inning. I don't care if it was a postseason game. Um, that, that's that's ridiculous. Probably not the 10th. Probably the 13th. Yeah. 
But that, but I think the Astros they've taken care of business. They look really good. I, I don't, I don't think this will be any uh, any different. I do see this series going seven though, and I see this is a series where the home team does not lose a game, and that's going to give the Astros the advantage. Astros are going to win in seven. Did you see the the tweet that went viral about the guy who, back in 2019, predicted the next ten World Series champions? Has he gotten in 2020? He picked the Dodgers and they won. This is all made in one tweet. He didn't do separate tweet. He made it all in one tweet. So in 2020, the Dodgers would win. 2021, the Braves would win. 2022, the Phillies would win. 2023, the Mariners would win. 2024, the Padres. 2025, the Mariners. 2026, the Giants. 2027, the Angels. 2028, the Marlins. And 2029, the Orioles. Well, the Mets are out for another 10 years. <laughs> He's gotten the first two right, which is incredible. It's pretty crazy. So, well, the Dodgers wasn't a hard one. And I'm the Phillies are in the World Series. So, like, this guy is from the future. If he gets the Phillies right, it, it, this guy's from the future. Mariners fans, get your, get, 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 get Dude, your popcorn ready. Two out, of the, two out of the next three years you're going to win? Dude, that, that's awesome. The Go Marlins Mariners. and the Orioles and the Angels three year, straight years? Angels, yeah, Marlins, like, Orioles. Like, yeah, like eight or nine years from now. Yeah, Trout won't be playing. Otani's going to be on a different team. Yeah, Who the Frick's going to win you a win you a championship. Well, they got a new they got a new owner, so they're probably going to hey. totally rebuild that team. Adley Rutschman in twenty twenty nine winning a little World Series MVP, and the yes, Marlins. Sir. You got Sandy Alcantara. There, look, the Marlins. Marlins just made a, a just made a solid managerial hire too. They got uh, they, um, just, they just hired Skip Schumacher. Yeah, uh, the, the bench, bench coach, coach for the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, he's got World Series experience. I think um, you know, he's a young guy. Uh, and I think I think it was a solid hire for the Marlins. And he's um, better than Don Mattingly. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't think Don Mattingly was a terrible hire, especially since he was going to be, he really was only there to kind of carry them through the rebuild. Uh, but they're still kind of rebuilding. They've got a got a, they've got a lot of good young players on that team. They've got a great solid rotation. rotation. Yeah. yeah. So they could be pretty good here in the next couple. Everybody in the East is going to be good except for the Nationals. The, there's no hope for the Nationals. Nationals have all the prospects in the world, though. Uh, they they they're not well run, uh, and they don't pay anybody. So I don't think they're going to be good for a while. That's fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so that's that's pretty much it for the MLB. Uh, just uh, I'm excited about the World Series, but to be honest with you, I'm probably not going to watch Saturday's game because I'm going to be watching college football. But yeah, um, no, the NFL. Let's move into the NFL. The Christian McCaffrey trade that happened last week. Um, you know, week how do you today? Think? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was saying that's about a week to date. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened last Thursday, I believe. Blockbuster trade. Um, you know, the I think both sides, you know, benefited from this trade. Uh, McCaffrey played a good bit on Sunday for the 49ers. And if he can stay healthy, and if Debo Samuel can stay healthy, the Niners can be a legitimately dangerous team. They've struggled a little bit so far this year. Um, but I think this is a good move. Uh, it's, it's a change of scenery. The Panthers, at this point, really have no choice but to start rebuilding uh, with how bad their team has been. And the first game without him, they beat the Bucks. So they they got a pretty good haul for him as well. So I think both teams benefited from this trade. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Panthers obviously they're going in one direction here. Um, they're legit. I mean, they, they've got to draft the quarterback this year. 
right? Like the yeah. PJ Walker's not their guy. So they're probably selling out for, I mean, as weird as it sounds, they're probably selling out for Will Levis. I think Will Levis is getting a lot of talk to be that number one pick now. I don't know I mean, why. I mean, he, I mean, we didn't think we didn't know why Josh Allen was getting a lot of hype. No, I, I, I believed in the Josh Allen hype. I believe the Josh Allen hype. And a lot of people I think, think I think Bryce Young is going to be a franchise changer. I, Bryce Young I, to me, Bryce Young to me. I don't like Alabama, but I love watching him play because he is just he's phenomenal. He's always cool, calm, and collected. He ne- he's never freaking out, and he always just seems to make a play at the right time. I think Bryce Young is a franchise changing quarterback. Well, I think Stroud is also a franchise changing quarterback in the NFL. He doesn't need to be as mobile as uh, he need like he's he doesn't need to be mobile. Um, so, I mean, we've got okay. <laughs> we had some weird comments in the in the in the chat here. So. There we go. We're, 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 we're fixing it. I'm going to put that user in timeout. We have a, we have a bot. We have a bot right now in the chat just spamming. So That's good. Um, okay. Well, anyways, here we... Um, so, yeah, I think both teams are, uh, won the trade in a way. I think they're, they're both going to benefit from this trade in the, uh, in the end. So, at that point, that's a good trade. If, if McCaffrey can stay healthy for the Niners, then they're going to, I mean, obviously having Debo and Christian McCaffrey, that's two of the best two-way players you can, you can find. Um, yeah. They're going to be able to catch. They're going to be able to run. The kind of sets that you're going to be able to run. Kyle Shanahan's a great offensive mind. If the Niners can get healthy defensively and they can find a rhythm offensively, they're going to be a team at, in, a, in an NFC that kind of seems down. They could be a team that, again, makes another run. Because what, what do they do? They did it last year. They yeah. beat the Cowboys. They made the, did they make the NFC championship? They were Who? more than they, the, the Niners. Yeah. They yeah, made the NFC championship against the Rams. Yeah. So, I mean, no. they could do it. They, yeah, they beat, they beat the Cowboys and they beat the they Packers. Beat, yeah, they so, beat both. Yeah, yeah, I think they did make yeah. the NFC championship. They beat both. Yeah. yeah. They, um, so, it could happen again. The Panthers going in one direction. You were talking about Bryce Young. Um, I was talking about C.J. Stroud. I think whatever direction the Panthers go quarterback-wise is going to be better than P.J. Walker. Yeah. So. I was hearing I was hearing talks of uh, of Detroit getting Bryce Young. I think you're gonna have a you're gonna have a you're gonna have a, a high scoring offense. I mean, you still need to fix the defense, um, but yeah, I think Bryce him Young with, to Detroit you know, would be would be pretty good. Pairing him with Swift, Amaron, St. Brown, guys yeah. like that. Yeah. So uh, another trade that happened just a few hours ago. What do you think about the Chiefs trading for Kadarius Tony? I love it. And here's why I love it. I love it because Kadarius Tony's snaps were being taken by Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson has kind of emerged in his first year, and he's kind of became the Kadarius Tony for them. The Giants aren't looking to throw the ball that much. Why do you need a guy like Kadarius Tony and Wandale Robinson? Go ahead and get a third and a sixth for Kadarius Tony in his second year. And then for the Chiefs, if you can develop Kadarius Tony's hands, he's going to be electric in that offense. Andy Reid knows how to use those kind of players. And he's going to automatically step in to that role that you thought Pacheco was going to take this year. But I mean, Tony's there. I just, I just don't understand where you're going to put him. They've already got like six wide receivers. Like where are you going to put him? Well, they, they always use a bunch of wide receivers. I know that I know they rotate, but like legitimately, like I think his snaps are probably going to decrease in Kansas city. 
because there's a lot of wide receivers better than him already. This might be a long-term move. Yeah, it could be. I mean, Tony Tony has the skill set similar to Tyreek Hill. He's a fast guy. He's dynamic running the football on like the jet sweeps and stuff. So I see why the Chiefs did it. I mean, a third and a sixth is kind of steep. But, I mean, because I don't think you got higher than a third for Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, it was steep, but, I mean, good on the Giants. Six and one now. Um, Now they're, I mean, they trade away Canary's Tony. Good for them. They know what they want. I can't argue with them. There you go. All right, the next story, uh, Taylor Heineke just won't go away. Uh, You know, Carson Wentz has been struggling for this commander's team all year. And then Taylor Heineke, the guy that the commanders constantly are trying to replace, comes back in for a hurt Carson Wentz and beats a good Packers team. So I think I think the uh, the question is, should we just let Taylor Heineke be the guy? I mean, I saw I saw an interview uh, I think it was on my TikTok yesterday of somebody that was on that commander's team last year and or maybe maybe they're on the commander's team this year. I don't remember. They said, you know, we love Carson Wentz. He's he's a baller. He's a gamer. But there's just something about Taylor Heineke that you just have confidence when he steps on the field that he's going to do everything he can to win the game. Um, he's one of those guys that doesn't play for money. He's he's legitimately playing because he loves the game and he's trying to win every single game possible. Um, and the locker room loves him. Um, they're behind him. And so at this point, why do we keep just trying to get rid of him? Just let him have the starting job at this point. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Taylor Heineke just, just being the guy at this point? I mean, to me, and I made this, I made this comparison whenever we recorded it, um, he feels like a Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of character to where he's not going to be – like give Taylor Heineke a full year of starting. I don't think he's going to lead you to the playoffs. I think he's a guy that comes in for six games and is really good. Once teams can refigure him out, though, he's not, he's not, he's not special. Maybe, yeah, sure, he's a great like, leader. He seems like a great locker room guy, a great leader. I think he's one of the most valuable backup quarterbacks in the league now. At this point. And that's exactly what Ryan Fitzpatrick did his whole career. So I think that's exactly what Taylor Heineke is going to do as well. I don't know. I don't see him as a franchise guy. I think the commanders need to look at quarterback in this next draft. Um, because I feel like the commanders need to start making some moves now or they're going to they're going to lose McLaurin. They're going to lose Antonio Gibson. And they've got a lot of a lot of cats on that defensive line. They need to pay. So they yeah. got to make a move at quarterback sooner rather than later. And I don't think it's Taylor Heineke. Yeah, they've got a lot of Ohio State guys on that roster. They could go for C.J. Stroud. They could go for C.J. Stroud. Yeah. They could go for I mean, they could go for Will Levis. They could go for Bryce Young, whoever. Whoever fall, I'm trying to yeah. think. There's a fourth quarterback that's coming out this year that, that that's pretty high, highly right. touted. I'm trying to think. Um, this is a good quarterback draft. This is going to be a, a good, good quarterback, quarterback draft. draft. It is a good quarterback draft. I mean, you've got Stetson Bennett coming out. Um, um, <laughs> hey, Come on now, he's hey, not going to be a first rounder. Not even going to be a probably a second or third. Rounder. He's not going to be a seventh rounder either. He's not going to be drafted yeah. unless he. I mean. I think any any quarterback that wins wins his team two national championships back to back, which I think is going to happen, um, should be considered for an NFL job at least as a backup. 
but we've seen more talented Georgia quarterbacks not be starters. I think Jake Fromm is more talented than Stetson Bennett. And I also think Jacob Eason was more talented than Stetson Bennett. Neither of them are starting on a team right now. Both of them have better size. So, I mean, obviously that was a little bit of a rabbit trail. This is a good quarterback draft. I think the commanders need to go out there and get themselves a franchise quarterback. They tried that with Dwayne Haskins. May he rest in peace. He wasn't the guy for them. They've tried it with Carson Wentz. Who was their starting quarterback last year before Taylor Heineke? Um, I don't remember. They went out wasn't it Fitzpatrick? Another, I don't think Fitzpatrick it was. Fitzpatrick was the starter. Was wasn't it he? Fitzpatrick? Yeah, I think it was Fitzpatrick. It might have been Fitzpatrick. I mean, I'll, I'll check it while you're talking. But yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next topic. And the, the next one is a question. Is it time to crown Dallas as the best defense in the NFL? Um, so far, they to me, they look like the best defense. I think statistically they have the best defense in the league. Uh, their defense is really what's winning them a lot of games because they're not really scoring a whole bunch of points. Um, Dak Prescott finally came back this past Sunday, and they won. Um, they beat a they they beat Detroit. I think it was twenty four to ten. Um, their defense just looks solid. Micah Parsons is getting to the quarterback. Demarcus Lawrence is finally what we thought he was going to be. Um, Trevon Diggs is not getting burned constantly. They're just not letting up a bunch of yards. Um, and when they are, they're bending but not breaking. Um, I think this defense is finally coming to its own. Vander Esch has been healthy all year. He's actually been playing pretty well. So is it time to crown this Dallas defense as the best in the NFL? I think so. I mean, I, I mean, statistically, you look at it. Diggs has gotten a lot better, as you said. You've been fully healthy at the linebacker position. Michael Parsons is insane. Right now, you just have to do it consistently. Can you right. do it when it matters? Sure, you can have a great defense in the regular season. Is it going to translate to the postseason? And sure, yeah. you can have a good defense. Is your offense going to be able to carry the load in times where your defense doesn't have a good game? Because your defense last year was a very, very big player bust. They've kind of simmered that in this year, but they still have those kind of core values of big player bust. They're going to be a, turn, a team that's, uh, that turns you over a lot. Turn the, what, turn the lines over like five times in the second half or something like that? Yes, like they, five turnovers in the second half. Yeah, five times in the second half. You have to do that consistently, and your offense has to be ready to pick up. But as of, as of right now, I can't sit here and lie as much as I hate to say it because I don't like the Cowboys. I think they are the best defense in the NFL. And credit yeah, to Dan Quinn. Yeah, credit to Dan Quinn. He has done a phenomenal job with that defense because two years ago before Dan Quinn was there, we were one of the worst defenses in the league. Our defense was terrible. Yeah. And we didn't really add a whole lot when Dan Quinn came in, but he had kind of changed the defensive philosophy to where last year, I haven't looked at this year, but I know last year we were the fastest defense in the league. We weren't the best. We were the fastest defense in the those league. Those chaos. Those chaos. So, yeah, creating like chaos and stuff like that, which is what you want on defense. And so uh, that's, that's translating. People have another year under the system. Our rookies are, get, have, are, are a year better. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm already prepared and ready for the Cowboys to let me down again. Um, I honestly thought we would be no better than like seven and 10 this year, but it looks like we're going to be better than that. So we'll just see what happens. Um, they're probably going to let me down again, but it, it is what Later it is on at this point. Yeah. So give them time to come on. All right. Uh, Matt Ryan has been benched for Sam Ellinger. Um, this happened after we recorded on Monday. Yes. Yes. This happened. Yeah. Uh, no, we talked about this. 
We talked about we this. Did. We did. Recording. It happened on Monday. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it happened on Monday, but we did talk about it. But anyways, that doesn't matter because we'll never find that recording. But Sam Ellinger has been named the starter. Um, you know, there was some speculation that maybe this was due to injury. And while Matt Ryan is hurt, um, uh, Frank Reich did say that this change was going to happen in, in either way, whether he was hurt or not. Um, so w- what are your thoughts on Ellinger being named the quarterback of the Colts? I'm a little confused about what Frank Reich is trying to do. Um, because you look at it, you're in a room, you have a quarterback room of Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, and Sam Ellinger. If you're wanting to move away with Matt Ryan and still win games, why wouldn't you go with a Super Bowl winning quarterback in Nick Foles? But instead, you're kind of taking a step back in a year that you were supposed to take a step forward and going with a young quarterback for the rest of the year. It was a little perplexing to me that he that Frank Reich would do that in a year where I really do feel like he is on the hot seat. If they keep losing, he won't be the quarter, he won't be the 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 coach of this team next year. And I think right. making a quarterback change might have been necessary, but I think you should have looked at Nick Foles as the quarterback change, not Sam Ellinger. Because Sam Ellinger didn't even do anything in college. Right. What, except what beat Georgia you, that one time. Except for beat Georgia and then say we're back and lose five games the next year. <laughs> right. It's not. Yeah. It, it's it's it. Look, it doesn't make any sense. Frank Reich's got to prove it to me at this point. Frank Reich knows probably a lot more about football than I do, and he probably knows a lot more about quarterbacks and how good they are. But he's got to prove that to me because right now it looks like this was a move. He was like, "Oh crap, I got to do something that gets the the attention off of me and gets the attention on someone else." Because right now, the Colts have been an utter disappointment. Probably the second biggest disappointment other than the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, the Colts, um, I think the Colts are what they are at this point. I I don't really think it matters who's at quarterback. It's not going to fix their offensive line struggles. It's not going to fix just their overall struggles as an offense right now. They're just, they're they're way too inconsistent. Um, The defense hasn't been terrible. Just for whatever reason, they just can't stop turning the ball over on offense. They just can't get the ball rolling, uh, so to speak. Paris Campbell ha- has had a couple of big games, but Michael Pittman Jr., they're not throwing in the ball. He's not getting open. So uh, I'm not sh- really sure what the problem is in Indy. Um, I know Matt Ryan was basically a, a refrigerator back there, like not able to move at all. And so maybe they're trying to go with the dual threat to where maybe Sam Ellinger can at least move the pocket when he gets pressured. I, I'm guessing that's what it is because Nick Foles can't really move all that great either. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe Frank Reich is just trying to experiment, trying to see if any what's going to work. I don't know. It is confusing. This Colts team, I was really high on them. I think a lot of people were high on them. I think both of us had picked them to win this division. Uh, I think you picked them to go to the AFC title game, if I'm not mistaken. Do you know um, who my AFC title game was? Colts. Broncos. Colts Broncos, LOL. <laughs> I was high on the Broncos too. So there, there's two teams in the AFC that we both were high on that look just awful right now. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Colts, but it is a little perplexing, a little confusing, um, but we'll see. And uh, this was something that we had talked about um, when we recorded on Monday that some NFL refs were under investigation for what appeared to be them trying to get Mike Evans' autograph after a game. But as it has come out, as, as, as it has been revealed, um, that those referees were actually giving Mike Evans, or 
We're actually asking Mike Evans for his phone number so that he could get his phone number to a professional golf instructor so that Mike Evans could take golf lessons. So Mike Evans was just trying to hit the links, bro. I, and yeah, the, I don't blame him. <laughs> this, this whole investigation into these refs, is Mike Evans just trying to hit the links, bro. He just lost 21 to three. He's just trying to chillax and go out on the links and just, you know, hit 18, you know, just trying to, just trying to, you know, relax. But, but, but the, the, the referees, they were not asking for his autograph. They were warned and reminded that they need to make things look proper. Don't make things look suspicious like that. But it turns out it was just something that was innocent. Yeah. It was just, just good fun. Yeah. All right. So that does it for the NFL segment. Um, let's get into the NBA and this is where yeah. you take over the show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I had some different things to talk about, but it kind of, I mean, some of the things that I talked about earlier, I mean, they're just being reiterated. Um, the, the Lakers are now zero and four. Um, that's not very good. Oh, and four. This is the second time in LeBron James's history. He started zero and four. The other time was his rookie year. Um, which not a good look. The team is not constructed well. It's as simple as that. LeBron can play at a good level, but a lot of his stuff is empty stats at this point because his stuff is not making an impact on the court. Anthony Davis is the like one of the worst superstars I've ever like, is not a, is not a superstar anymore. Can't stay healthy, and he's going to get hyped up every single year, and he's not going to do anything. That supporting cast is terrible, and Russell Westbrook has got to get out. Um. I want to talk about a couple other teams. The Portland Trailblazers are four and one. It kind of came off the, uh, they came out of the gates pretty fast. Um, they were supposed, I think I had them kind of a lower, lower tier playoff team um, just because the West is stacked from like one to 11. Um, they're four and one. They just lost Damian Lillard for one to two weeks with a little hip contusion. Let's see if they can continue that. But he's got a great supporting cast this year with Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic, a lot of those guys. The Jazz are also four and one who we thought were going to be tanking for Victor Wimbanyama, but they, they look really good. Lori Markinen scored 20 in the, uh, in three of his first, uh, in three of their first five games. So he's looking really good. And then lastly, I want to talk about uh, Paolo Bancaro, who is the first rookie since Grant Hill to score 20 points in his first four games. Now that has resulted in zero wins for the magic, but he shot. He's got. He scored twenty points and five plus rebounds in every single game that he has played so far, and he has shot at a very consistent clip over forty percent in every single game. But Paolo Bancaro looks as good as advertised, and this rookie class does look really good because Benedict Matherin for the Pacers has gotten extended run. Jade Nivey looks really good. Shaden Sharp looks good. Bancaro, Jabari Smith's gotten off to a tough start, and obviously we don't know what Chet looks like yet. But so far around the NBA, it's been a really fun year. Uh, but a lot of there's no one really asserting themselves yet um, who we thought would. Timberwolves have came out cold. The Nuggets have came out cold. A lot of internal issues with the Timberwolves right now between Cat and Ant. So um, we're gonna we're gonna see how that boils down. It might just be some early early season stuff. But I mean, overall around the NBA has been really really fun. These teams that are sitting at the top right now are not going to end at the top. But I truly do believe the Warriors are not the Warriors. The Lakers are in trouble. So. Um, that, that, yeah. that'll, yeah. I, Hey, it looks like my pick for the worst team in the league is going to come true. The magic are on four. Um, magic are pretty bad. Yeah. So I saw something the other day and, and I wanted to, I wanted to run this by you 
somebody somebody made this theory, and of course, it's just a theory. Theories are fun. They're they're usually not true, but they're 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 fun to talk about. There's a theory that the Lakers are strategically putting Russell Westbrook out on the court for a reason. Um, they're strategically doing it to show that look to to show other teams, hey. If you have Russell Westbrook on your team, you will lose. And all these teams want Victor Wimbanyama, right? Yeah. But Adam Silver is like cracking down on tanking and this, that, and the other. So the Lakers are strategically putting him, constantly putting him on the court, showing how bad he is, and being like, look, if you trade for Russell Westbrook, you are guaranteed to lose a lot of games, and that's going to increase your chances at Victor Wimbanyama. That's, what are your thoughts on that strategy? I mean, of doing that. I mean, I love it. I, I think it's. I think it's. I mean, any team West Westbrook's on right now, he's going to take the bulk of their points and the bulk of their shots. And right now, it's been the young guys and the cohesiveness of like the Jazz, the cohesiveness of the the Pacers and of the. Uh, um, there's another team that's played. Spurs have played pretty good. You'd send him to either one of those or all three of those teams. He's going to ruin their cohesiveness. So it could be a play, and then the Lakers will get some good, uh, good, good people. They could get Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley from the Jazz. They could get Miles Turner and Buddy Hield from the Pacers. Um, they could get—I don't know who they get from the Pacers or from the Spurs, to be honest with you. They wouldn't give get Keldon. They wouldn't give up Keldon. They'd probably give up like Jakob Podol or something like that. It's 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 a it's a theory, but it kind of sounds true. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's like playing 3D chess while yeah. everyone else is playing checkers. So I just thought that was an interesting theory. I was like, you know, it it makes sense. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if the 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 Lakers GM is is smart enough to think that far ahead. Um, I think maybe they're just trying. I think maybe they're just trying really, really hard to make it work. And it's just not working. But. Who knows? I don't I don't know much about the game. I don't watch the game. I mean, you're you're spot on. (laughs) Um, Darvin Ham said he was going to make it work and it's not working. So. Have you I seen the meme? Darvin Ham has a little thing on his head. It says 0 and 4 with his, the little little spot on his head. Have you ever no. seen that? <laughs> no, I have not. You need to send it to me. I look, let me give me a second. This might <laughs> He's gonna pull it up on the stream here. Wait. We're gonna we're gonna put a meme on the stream here. Let me find it. Talk. Talk for a minute. All right. So um I mean, I don't really know what else to talk about with the NBA. I know the Lakers are really bad. Um I think I, I don't know if this is gonna gonna cause LeBron to maybe try to force his way out of LA. Um, you know, he if he doesn't make the playoffs, I don't know what that spells for his future. It it just goes to show you that LeBron as a GM, LeBron is the worst general manager in the history of sports. Um, whenever he is allowed to run a team and, and forced and basically force trades to get people that he wants in there. They may, it may work out for that season, but it always ruins the future of every team he's been on. Yeah. It happened in Cleveland, happened in Miami. It's happening in, in, in Lakerland right now. So it is LeBron James is the worst general manager in the history of the, He doesn't want to play with young players. I don't know what he has against young players, but he just, he, he doesn't want to play with young players. And I think that's going to cost him. I think he could win more championships if he'd be willing to play with young players. But it just seems like the guys he wants to trade for are all people that are his age. And 
he's the only one that's in shape out of the people that are his age. The one he's the only one that can still do it. So it just never works out. Yeah. I could not find the meme on Google, um, which is that's unfortunate. Yeah. It's very unfortunate, but, um, Anyway, I did figure out that we could screen share now. So that I mean there there there's something. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 get into the NCAA. This let's this is the meat it, of the show. It, We've got quite a bit to talk about. This is what everybody comes for anyway. Right. Um so just kind of like a headline to get us started is uh there's been more weeding out of the pretenders that happened this past week. Yep. Uh we've been talking about it the last couple of weeks that as the season progresses, the, the contenders are going to show, show themselves and the pretenders are going to show themselves. And this past week, UCLA and Ole Miss both showed to be pretenders. They both lost, and they lost handily. Um, both to games inferior were, content. Yeah, I mean, to, so, yeah. To, to inferior opponents, yeah. you know, teams that were ranked lower than them. Um, I know both those games were on the road, but still, you can't get embarrassed. They both got embarrassed on the yeah. road. Yeah. Um, and so that, that, that was kind of like the headline to kind of start off the week is, the, is the, the pretenders are starting to show and the contenders are starting to show themselves as well. I agree. Yeah, so really the only hope for anybody outside of the Big Ten and the SEC is Clemson and TCU. Clemson, Clemson and TCU, and maybe Oregon. Yeah, Maybe. if Oregon wins out, I think if there's a little bit of chaos, I think Oregon can get in. I think I think Oregon is really rooting for Georgia to stop Tennessee. They want Georgia to stop Tennessee, win the SEC championship game pretty handily, because then that makes their loss not look as bad because Georgia's destroying everybody. So I think that could maybe get them a push. And if they win the Pac-12 title, that could get them a push into the into the into the final four. So they they cannot be going head to head with Georgia. In a in a trying to get the four seed, that cannot happen right. for them. They're not going to win it. Yeah, they're not. It's as simple as that. All right, let's go to uh, Brian Kelly. Had a great week. He gets the monkey yeah. off his back and he wins a big one. That's been kind of the criticism of Brian Kelly the last decade or so is that he can't beat top ten opponents. He can't win big games, um, especially against the SEC. But he did that. He did that at LSU. Um, the, the, the program is steadily getting better each week. You take out the Tennessee game and if they were able to make a stinking extra point in week one, this is a one loss, this is a one loss team. Um, they're undefeated in, in SEC West play, which is important because, uh, especially if some chaos happens and there's like a three or four way tie for first place in the West, the winner of the West actually goes to the person that had the best West record. So if LSU doesn't. LSU and Alabama have an have no West against losses. the West. Yes. So, yeah, Ole Miss is but, screwed. Right, Ole Miss is screwed. But so that 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 that'll make things interesting. But there's a big game coming up for LSU in two weeks yeah. um, against Alabama. But I, I just, you know, th- it's kind of shaping up the way that you and I predicted that Brian Kelly right. is a good coach. Everybody was saying he's not a good fit in it. He's not a good fit down there at LSU with Cajuns and. Look, the Cajuns don't care if you're a good fit. If you can win, win. they don't care. They do not care if you're a goober. They don't care if you have a fake Southern accent. They don't care. If you can win games, they could care less. And so, I I mean, the Cajuns are going to be 
you know, drunk anyway. So they're just, as long as all they care about is winning football games. And if you can do that, they're good. And Brian Kelly's been doing that. So it was a big win over Ole Miss. I watched a majority of that game. I know you didn't get to watch pretty much any of it. But no. Ole Miss, it was a neck and neck game at halftime. Ole Miss had a lead, uh, 20 to 17 at half. And then they got shut out in the second half. They could not do anything at all. Right. Um, and Jaden Daniels, the last two weeks, has looked phenomenal. Even in, the, even in the Tennessee game, he had over 350 yards passing. So the well, last we know what Tennessee goal, does secondary was. Yeah. So, I mean, the, even the last three weeks, Jaden Daniels has really looked good. And I said this when we did the original recording, but of course we lost it. And I th- felt like it was a good comparison. Jaden Daniels has become what everybody thought Anthony Richardson would become. Exactly. He is the he is the dynamic dual threat quarterback that's just dangerous when he's on his game, right. and I feel like if he keeps developing at this rate, then you need to watch out for him next year in the Heisman race because I don't think he's going to declare for the NFL this year. He he's he right now in my book is a Heisman front runner for next season because if he that's, just keeps improving at this rate, he's going to be hard to beat. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I look. I was high on ten, I was high on LSU this year. Had him going nine and three. I mean, right now they've lost two games, and they, I mean, if they lose one more, they'll be right on my prediction. But right now, LSU plays their kind of that type of football that they've played against Florida and they've played against Ole Miss offensively. That defense is going to come around because they're, they're, they've got talent. LSU never doesn't have talent. LSU had talent with that O last yeah. year still. They're going to be good, and LSU very well could win the West. I think Alabama's on a down year. Um, I think personally, I don't know if Alabama can get through the meat of their, I mean, Alabama's got to beat LSU in death Valley. I'm not convinced that that game is going to be close. Never count Saban out. I'm not going to count Saban out, but I'm also not going to count Brian Kelly out. Yeah. He's never played in a conference, so we don't know how he would do in big conference games. Right. Brian Kelly is 10 and 2 in his career coming off a of bye week. Um, whereas Nick Saban is 12 and 3. Now, Nick Saban has won 10 consecutive games off of bye weeks. But so, so it's going to be an interesting match. You've got two coaches that are traditionally very, very good coming off bye weeks that use that, extra, that use that extra preparation time. I think you're going to see a very entertaining game. Not, it's not this Saturday, but this next Saturday when they play, I think you're going to see a very entertaining game. And as you mentioned last time we recorded this, hopefully we can actually sit down and enjoy it. Hopefully we can enjoy that game. I'm not and we're, we're not like we're gonna be angry. watching this together. Yeah, we're gonna awesome. be watching um Georgia, Tennessee. Georgia, together. Tennessee together. So And if uh, we're mad look, if the vibes are up, maybe we go and watch this game. Yeah, if vibes are up, dude, <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing but, uh, it. <laughs> okay. But um yeah, so it's going to be an interesting game to watch between those two teams. Um, I don't think it, I think it'll be uh, as good, if not better, than the 2019 matchup between these two teams. Ooh, the, last I two, the last two years, um, that matchup games. has been blown out by Alabama. No, oh, they haven't really. A one possession game. Oh. Anyways, uh, th- this Alabama. rivalry is always close. This right. rivalry game is always close, but I think the 2019. Ma- I'm not saying it's going to beat the 2019 matchup, but I think it could be that level of scoring because Alabama's defense hasn't looked up to par, which I will say that ever since they put Eli Ricks as the starting corner, like 
I don't know why he hasn't started all year because that man shut down Mississippi State. They had like eight targets and no catches. Like, why has Eli Ricks not been starting? You know he's going to start against his former team in LSU. So it's just it's going to be an, an, an interesting matchup between those two teams. It was twenty to fourteen. Bama won last year. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought I thought there were blowouts the last two years. Max but nothing Johnson beats the twenty nineteen matchup. No, nothing does. The nine to six matchup several years ago was boring as crud. That's a good football game, though. It was a good football game, but there was no offense. But anyways, um, is Oregon your new favorite to win the Pac-12 after their performance against UCLA, bouncing back into their loss against Georgia? They've looked dominant. They haven't really had a close win since then. All of their wins have been kind of blowouts. So would you say Oregon's your new favorite to win the Pac-12? Um, yes, but I say that very, very kind of tentatively because they did have a close win over Washington State. Washington State very well should have beat them. In that game, I watched that game all the way through, but they didn't. And look, in their biggest games this year against BYU, after the Georgia game, obviously, against BYU, and now against uh, UCLA, they've played really good. But what version of Bo Nix are you going to get when you need it the most consistently? The, the thing is with Bo Nix is I, I get not, that, I don't I don't want this argument. I know what this argument is going to be. It wasn't Auburn. It was Bo Nix. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I don't think you, I don't think you know where I'm going with this. Okay. The thing with Bo Nix is he played three years in the SEC. He played against the best defenses in the in college football, and so he steps over to the Pac-12, and he sees that these defenses are not near as elite as what I'm used to, and I think that's kind of inflating his numbers. I think he's he's like, okay, UCLA's defense does not have the big and fast guys that I've been playing for three years, and guys are just wide open. And I think that's kind of what's inflating Bo Nix's numbers. I'm not necessarily saying that he's better than he was at Auburn. He had flashes of greatness at Auburn, and he had flashes of being stupid at Auburn. Right. But I think he got so used to playing harder competition that now he's in the Pac-12 playing Pac-12 defenses, and it's like, it's like, it's like he's moving at a faster pace than everybody. He's able to think and process faster because there's just not the same cats. So I think that's why Bo Nix has been more successful this season is because he's used to SEC defenses and he's not playing them anymore. I I could see it. I I, I could see it. I just I don't I don't want to put my faith and trust in Bo Nix when we also still have they still need to play Utah, they still need to play USC if they make meet them in the Pac-12 championship game. I'm not convinced that Utah might is not the best team in the Pac-12 still. Top to bottom. Yeah. I know they've they had just, a rough they've, year. They've been playing really inconsistently. But when they're on their game, they're a very good team. Had to make in the freaking playoff. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm a little that's a I'm a little early on that bus. I don't know if Oregon can sustain this. Good for Dan Lanning getting his team to play like this after what happened week one. So, but I mean I'm I'm, I'm rooting for Oregon. I don't have anything against Oregon. I just don't believe in them. All right. All right. Let's get into uh, the, the college football rankings. Their first one is going to be released after this Saturday's games. And so oh, we're nice. going to we're going to do our own college football rankings right now. Um, of course, I already know what your top six is because we've already recorded this and lost the audio. Right. But for you, 
for our audience, we're going to do it again. And we're going to act like we're surprised. We're going to act like we haven't heard wow. this before. Yeah. Wow. So I'm going to start. I'm going to go with my top four. And I'm going to go with my first two out. My number one is obviously Georgia, the, the defending national champions. I, until, in my opinion, that's the way it's always should have been, is a defending national champion should never move out of the one spot until you lose because yeah. you're the defending champions. Um, my number two... My two through my two through six is all based off of resume for me. Um, I know you have a differing opinion about if you don't lose, you shouldn't move. I understand that opinion. I agree with it somewhat. But the rest of mine is based off of resume. Um, and no, my number two has to be Clemson because um, they've they've had more ranked wins than pretty much anybody other than Tennessee. They have more ranked wins. Um, they've they've won three close games against top 25 teams. They they should have lost to Syracuse, but they didn't because Syracuse's offensive coordinator is completely incompetent. I don't know why he didn't give Sean Tucker the ball. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But I think in terms of resume, they have the best. I don't think they're necessarily the second best team, but they have the second best resume. Number three, I've got uh, I've got Tennessee at my number three. They have several ranked wins. They're playing well, but I can't put them any higher than three because their defense looks very suspect. They've got they've got losable games coming up, so we'll have to see. My number four, I've got Ohio State as my number four, simply because they don't have a single win against a, a ranked team right now. I know they're stomping everybody, but they just and I know you can only play who's in front of you. They don't have a ranked win right now, so I have them at number four. We've got Michigan at number five. They also have had a really weak out of conference schedule, but that blowout win against Penn State was was big. And I, st- I think that Penn State team is a good team, um, and I think that they will spoiler alert give Ohio State maybe a little bit of a close game this weekend. But um, I-, I got them at five, and then I've got Alabama as my first, as as number six, just because it's Alabama, you can't count them out. I I, I understand the argument for TCU at seven. Um, maybe some other t- or TCU at six, rather some other teams there. But I've got TCU just on the outside at number seven right now, um, and I think I'm not going to go any further than that. But I think Alabama at six for right now, but they're not looking as dominant as they used to be. But that's my top six. All righty, well, I'm going to put that up there so Zach, as everyone can see, Zach's top four. Um. My top four, yeah, Zach kind of alluded to it the way that I do things. If you don't lose, you don't move. Um, Georgia at number one, I think, I mean, they've been dominant all year. I'm going to get into talking about them in here in a second. Number two is Ohio State. I know you haven't, you haven't beaten anyone yet, but you haven't lost any, anyone yet. Um, I think they've looked better overall. Ohio State at number two. At three is Tennessee. They have probably the best win in college football this year. Um, Close to, and they do. They have the best win in college football, but they've got a chance to prove it next week, and they got to prove it this week too. At number four, I've got Clemson. They didn't. They didn't. They won against Syracuse. Didn't look great. I can't move them above Tennessee or Ohio State at this point because I've seen inconsistencies at the quarterback position. That is something that neither of the three teams above them have. Um, at number five, I've got Michigan. They're my first team out right now, and then my second team out is TCU. They haven't lost. Bama has lost. Oregon has lost. We're seven and eight right now. TCU's at six. I know I sound like the BCS rankings. I know I sound like it. They haven't lost. TCU's at six. 
they're going to keep moving up. Honestly, why don't we go back to the BCS rankings? Why don't we uh, include? No, look, look, listen, because it's the most anti-subjective ranking system. I don't, I'm not saying go back to the BCS system. Keep the college football playoff system with a BCS ranking because it's not subjective. It's going to simply yeah. take the data in hand and rank you based off of that, not just off of subjective things like the eye test. And, well, Bama is traditionally a powerhouse, so we have to put them up. You know, stuff like that. Why don't we just do subjective rank or non-subjective rankings like a computer? Why don't we just bring back the computers? And we don't even have to use them exclusively. Why don't we mix them in with the other polls to create a final ranking system? So, yeah, that's a tangent, but you mentioned BCS, but that's why that's why I I sound like the BCS. All right, let's get into our witness protection for this week. Um, I think I went first. No, I think you went first. but I'll go first this time. It doesn't matter. Um, my witness protection is BYU. Uh, I, I think they're on the back of a milk carton right now because they've gone missing. They started off, what, 4-0, and and they've yeah. gone 0-4 since then. Seems completely disappeared. They got blown out 41-14 to by Liberty. Um, now, Liberty's good. Liberty's got Hugh Freeze, but to only score 14 against Liberty um, and just get absolutely dominated, I'm not sure what happened to this team. I know there's a lot of fans right now really questioning um, if Kalani Sataki is the right guy for the job um, because they had a lot of promise. It's pretty crazy because after their 4-0 start, people were talking, you know, hey, with their strength of schedule, if they can go 11-1, and 12-0, maybe we should put them in the playoff. But they've lost four straight. They've not looked good in those games. So that's in my witness protection is what happened to BYU. It's 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 bad. It's a fall from grace. Uh, exactly. That's and that's exactly what it is. That's a good witness protection. I'm going to go a different direction. My witness protection. I'm going to go two people. It's going to be Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Quinn Ewers, 19 of 49 in that game against Oklahoma State, just did not look good. Uh, really had the first time he looked like a freshman. Other than that, Quinn Ewers has looked really solid. And when he was playing against Alabama, he was dominating. He was he was throwing all over them for that one drive. And then he's came back and he's looked really good. Um, their other game that they lost to Texas Tech, um, yes. they Quinn Ewers wasn't playing. Um, it was really his first loss. But I, I cannot, I cannot go away from Steve Sarkeesian here. Second half, you lead by ten. Your defense stops Oklahoma State four straight possessions. You continue to throw the ball with a quarterback that is obviously not on for the day. Steve Sarkeesian has got to wake up and realize. He's not at Alabama anymore. He's the head coach. He's not the offensive coordinator. You've got to you've got to see how your defense is playing and play exactly like that on the offensive end. Bruise them. Uh, get the uh, get the time down. Chew clock. Do not keep throwing. Realize the hot hand. He's too smart of an offensive mind to be able to to pull that kind of crap, and that's why he's on witness protection. He lost them the game. Quinn Ewers' stat line looks like he lost him the game, but Sarkeesian's inability to hand Bijan Robinson the football is baffling. Yeah. I think an honorable mention for witness protection this week is Weber State, uh, the FCS. Four safeties on special teams. Um, I don't think that's ever happened before. They lost by five points, and they allowed eight on special team safeties. 
four times in a row, the ball being snapped over the punter's head into the end zone. Crazy. Never see Weber State special team sucks. That's true. Um, they they could have won that game against Montana State because they played well in every other facet of the game, but they lost. So imagine, I mean, imagine walking up to your long snapper at the end of the game and being like, "Hey, buddy, you single handedly <laughs> lost eight points for us." Right. It, it could not have been the same. A long snapper. snapper. There's no way it was the same long snapper. They would have had to make the change after the second one. <laughs> I don't. Teams usually only carry one long snapper, so I don't think so. I'm gonna put the freaking especially a small there. school like Weber State ain't carrying more than one long snapper. I would. All right, let's go into our one burning question. Uh, you, I want you to go first with your one burning question. All right, my one burning question this week is just how good is UGA's resume? You look at the two now with South Carolina entering the top twenty-five. They have two top twenty-five wins. Neither of them did they play at home. And they won by a combined 97 to 10. 97 to 10. It's 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 insane. It is it is something that I that no one's talking about. Right. Sure, Georgia's had these little low moments. They had the game against Kent State at home, and then they also went to Missouri, which is not an easy place to play, but they did not play well and almost lost. But they've bounced back by beating Auburn 42 to 10. Then they have they thoroughly dominated Vanderbilt again. God yeah. bless Vanderbilt's soul. And I think this week they're going to dominate Florida. If you yeah. look at it, they're on a very similar track. If, if, they, if they go in and play Tennessee and knock them off pretty, pretty handedly, which I'm not saying they will, but they do, you have to start putting this team up there with the likes of 2019 LSU and 2020 Alabama. It has got they, this team has got the resume to do exactly that. And don't say LSU didn't have a struggle win, because they did. They went into Jordan-Hare, which is another hard place to play against a very average Auburn team that year, and won like 20-17. to 17. Yeah. Barely made it by. And they were in a close game with Texas that year. They, yeah. This is a very similar arc. I think Georgia's resume is, is, is that good right now that more people have to talk about it. Obviously, we can't go any higher in the rankings than we can right now, and yeah. I'm not one for put some respect on our name or put some respect on our name, but I know a lot of people are going to be picking Tennessee to beat us next week, yeah. and they don't realize what please. we have done. Please, please do pick it. them. Please pick them. Please do it. Please pick them. I won't, but please pick them. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, a, there, there's a part of me that just wants us to kind of keep under the radar. Yeah. I Let want every I want every person in the media to pick Tennessee next week. I me want every single person freaking in the media to. Uh, me, I me want too. you to I want you to pick them. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you. South Carolina looks better than we thought they would be. Um, Five and one, two four straight. Beamer ball seems to be working pretty good. Let, let me um, let me let me kind of if Will Levis played for Kentucky, they'd be four and three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but. I mean, I do. I think they're going to be ranked in the college football playoff top twenty-five. No, no, but they're top twenty-five right now, and I will milk that. We've beaten two <laughs> top twenty-five teams ninety-seven yes. to ten. Yes. All right. Which I mean, look, everybody talks about how Tennessee has four ranked wins, but I think two of those teams are not ranked anymore. So if they can brag about that, then we can brag about it too. It had a backup quarterback this whole so, second half. Yeah. So. 
Anyways, uh, my one burning question is don't get trapped. How will UGA and Tennessee handle their upcoming trap games this weekend? Look, there is a real danger for both Georgia and Tennessee to look ahead to their matchup next week and, and, and possibly drop their games this week. But there's both of, both of us are in rivalry games. Yep. I mean, many people yep. don't think of Tennessee-Kentucky as a rivalry game, but you know, being married to a Tennessee fan, having in-laws that are Tennessee fans, they don't like Kentucky. They really having don't Scott like McElyay as a Tennessee fan? Yeah. Kentucky and Tennessee is a rivalry that not a lot of people talk about unless you're from those two places. Yep. But that's a bitter rivalry. Of course, the Georgia-Florida game is always a bitter rivalry. And so... Both of the both Georgia and Tennessee are in danger. If they look ahead to next to next week, they could very possibly drop the, these games. And you know the the dangers there. I mean, tickets for the Georgia Tennessee game right now on the one hundred level are being sold for over nine thousand dollars a piece. Please don't tell me that. I had it's, tickets in the one fifties that I could have bought for one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, you almost bought them like what back on Father's Day, June. Yeah, yeah, back on Father's June. Day. For 150 bucks, you could have sold them for nine grand a piece. But they these two teams could very well look ahead. And if they drop a game here, I mean, <laughs> those people that paid nine thousand dollars could be very upset because it won't be near as valuable anymore. But um, but yeah, I I I find it interesting. Let, let's see how both those teams handle their get, upcoming games this weekend. Tennessee's doing their nightmare checkerboard, which I think is pretty sick. Ooh. The full blackout uniforms, it looks pretty sick. But I'm telling you right now, Tennessee, do not sleep on this Kentucky team. They're, are they going to be the best defense you face this season? They typically, don't get, they typically don't get gashed in the pass. The games they've lost this year is by teams that run the football well. Tennessee hasn't shown they can run the football that great, at least not consistently. And, I mean, they really haven't had to because they've been able to throw it, throw it all over the place. So we'll see how good their run game is this weekend. Uh, Will Levis, when he's playing, always has the potential to beat you. Uh, I know Kentucky lacks those weapons, but I think their defense is going to keep them in the game. It could be one of those low-scoring games where you expect it to be. Tennessee hasn't had a low-scoring struggle win this year. No, It's going to happen. It's going to – because I don't think there's ever been a team that just flat-out dominated every game they played for an entire season. It's not going to happen. There's going to be a struggle win. And I think if this is the week for Tennessee, I think if there's going to be a week Tennessee gets a struggle win, it's going to be this week against Kentucky. Don't sleep on that Kentucky team. And then Georgia. It's a rivalry game. Weird things happen in this rivalry. There's been plenty of times where either Georgia was number one or Florida was number one, and the other team came in unranked and won. Weird things happen in this rivalry. We need to come in focused on this game and not on the next game on this game only. And Stetson Bennett has said that he's completely healthy. He'd been playing through injury the last couple of games. He's perfectly healthy now. I trust this team, but don't sleepwalk through it. Let's see how they both come through their trap games. Yeah, no, I agree with you. All right, um, so let's move on to Syracuse and Clemson. Syracuse, by all stretches of the imagination, should have won that game this past Saturday. DJU turned the ball over four times. Cade Klubnick came in. He didn't really look all that great. He didn't no. look much better than DJU, really. So I don't think he's going to get the starting job. 
especially since Dabo said DJ's our guy. Uh, but I, I, I was tempted to put Syracuse's offensive coordinator on witness protection because Sean Tucker had five carries for 60 yards in this game. He had the same problem Steve Sarkeesian did. What is up with these coaches that have phenomenal running backs that will not give them the ball? I, I just is, don't understand it. It is baffling to me. The guy was averaging 12 yards a carry, and you won't give him the ball. And you were up 21 to 10 at one point in that game, and you're not feeding him the rock. Like, I don't understand what they were doing. The officiating was pretty bad in that game, inconsistent, um, calling the late hit for Clemson, not calling it for Syracuse. I get all that. But the real loser in this game, the real reason they lost is because of the incompetence of the Syracuse offense, or the offensive coordinator, to feed Sean Tucker the ball. The, their True. backup running back had twice as many carries as Sean Tucker. And from, from my understanding, Sean Tucker was not hurt. He just wasn't getting the ball. And they should be ashamed of themselves because they definitely should have and could have won that game in Death Valley last week. Agreed on every front. I didn't get to watch much of that game, so I'll kind of be short with it. But I, I, if, if everything – I think Cade's not going to start the rest of the year. I think DJ's the guy unless they, unless they give him – unless they – you know what I'm saying. Like, unless, unless he has he another short game, unless then, then it could be different. I can't. I couldn't catch my words there, and I just hit my mic. I'm I'm falling apart. So you take over. I'm falling if he apart. has an, if he has another poor game, then yes. maybe we could see. Thank it. you, Zach. Um, but yeah. Whew. So let's move on to uh, TCU. TCU. They they look they look well. That they, they've played well. The question is, is they haven't played a Big Twelve game against a healthy quarterback all season. Um, all of their Big Twelve games. They have played either an injured quarterback or anything away from TCU. That's not their fault. No. Um, but it goes to show you how could these games have been different had the starting quarterback been healthy and or in the game for all of those for all of those games. Exactly. You know, we'll never know. But Adrian Martinez came out in the first series, which that was a really strange one because they never said that he was hurt. Um, the, even the announcers were a little confused. They're like, why is Adrian Martinez not playing? Apparently he was hurt, but they never said anything about it. He, Adrian Martinez was kind of just sitting on the sidelines, looked like he was ready to go, but they never put him back in the game. So I don't really know what happened there. Um, Dylan Gabriel getting hurt early on in that Oklahoma game. Um, Spencer Sanders played the entire game against them hurt. Uh, even the coaching staff came out and said the second half of that game, they had to change their play call because Sanders was hurt. Um, but I mean, credit to TCU and their resiliency. They do look like a good team. They're undefeated right now. They can't help that quarterbacks are getting hurt. They, they got to play against Kansas without Jalen Daniels. So, I mean, give them credit, but it is an interesting question. What would have happened had all of those quarterbacks been healthy when they played TCU? You're right. You're right. And- Look, I'm high on TCU. Pick them to. Uh, I've, I've kind of. I made a TikTok over on the Fourth and Wrong channel about how I thought that they were the favorites now in the Big Twelve, and I think I think that's pretty true. They've got a big game coming up here. Um, I think TCU is legit. I think it's they're legit because of Max Duggan. Yeah. All right. Uh, we had one more topic, but we're not going to touch that one just because whatever. Let's just get into picks. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, the points update, you want to put our points update down there on the ticket? I do want to put, I do want to point, put the points. All right. So if we do get this uploaded into the podcast format, for those that are not watching this points update is I am on top six, I have 62 points. I've been in the lead all year. Mitchell's in second with 53. Yeah, I mean, you have Pickmaster next to your name, but I'm the true Pickmaster. I haven't been losing I haven't, all year. I so, think I beat you one week. Two weeks you beat ago, me beat one you. week, but you've never been ahead in total points. Right, right, right. So I've got 62. I'm in first. Mitchell's got 53 in second. And Cody sneaking up on Mitchell with 52, only one point behind Mitchell. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so let's get into our picks this week. The first game we're covering, Oklahoma travels to Iowa State. Um, so I, I had a, I have a system. I've had a system all year for how I pick games. I'm not going to disclose that over the year because I don't want dis- to disclose my secrets. But I analyze certain things about every single game, and I analyze them all the same way. And according to my system, I should have picked the Cyclones. But I decided to go against that system and pick Oklahoma in this game simply because Dylan Gabriel is playing. This offense looks much different when he's in there. When he's not playing, Oklahoma looks terrible. They don't even look like <laughs> a group of five team. They look terrible when he's They're not in bad. there. But when he's in, they score. They, they haven't, I don't think they've had a single game that he's played that they've scored less than 40 points. And I just don't think Iowa State has enough offense to keep up with that. So give me the Sooners to win this game on the road. I agree. Dylan Gabriel's playing. They look a whole different team when Dylan Gabriel's playing. And I really don't think Iowa State's that good of a team. I know Iowa State has, has a track record of keeping it close with Oklahoma. It might be close, but I think Oklahoma kind of pulls away in the fourth quarter. All right. And our editor, Cody, is actually picking Iowa State this week. It's a bold pick, but that's what he's going with. All right. Our second game, Baylor travels to Texas Tech. We're staying within the conference here. Let's have your pick first on this one. I think the better defense wins this game. I think Baylor's going to Baylor's going to win. I think people forget how good this team is. I know they've had a lot of struggles this year. It's kind of that uh, kind of that sophomore slump for Dave Aranda, even though this is his third year. Yeah. I feel like last year was really his first full year because he had the COVID year before. It's a sophomore slump for Dave Aranda. I think they'll be back. Blake Shapin's going to make a couple plays. And honestly, I don't trust Texas Tech not to turn the ball over. So Baylor's going to win. All right, I'm actually going to go the other way on this one. I've got the Red Raiders winning this game. They're at home. Baylor has been a huge disappointment uh, to me this season. I was pretty pretty high on them, pretty confident they do well. Blake Shapin hasn't looked that great. Um, and uh, Donovan Smith uh, for Texas Tech, he's a dual-threat quarterback. He's a playmaker. When he's on, he's on. But when the, 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 the thing is, is he's not that consistent. He's a lot like Bo Nix. When he's on, he can make incredible plays. But when he's not on, he can make disastrous plays. But I like uh, Coach McGuire. Uh, they've played every game close. Um, Texas Tech has played like four. Other, if you take out the West Virginia game, they've played four straight games against top 20 teams, have either won those games or played them close, whereas Baylor got blown out by a bad West Virginia team. So and has played in the against those same teams not 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 nearly as well. So I'm going with Texas Tech to win this game at home. Uh, more power to you. And Cody is also going with the Red Raiders. Good job, Cody. All right, this next game, Cincinnati travels to UCF to play the Gus Bus Gus Malzahn. Ooh. I'm going to go first in this one. I'm picking the I'm picking the Black Knights of UCF. 
Are they still the Black Knights or are they just the Knights? They are the Black Knights. All right. Yeah, I'm picking yeah. the Black Knights of UCF. Um, I, I like Gus Malzahn's offense. Um, ben Bryant has been way too inconsistent for me. They should have lost to a mediocre SMU team last week. They got lucky. They've gotten lucky in a lot of games. The, the better teams they've played, they haven't performed that well against. So I'm picking UCF to win this game at home. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go Cincinnati. I don't trust John Rice Plumley to throw the ball deep down the field um, late into this game. I think Cincinnati's defense is, is better than UCF. UCF's coming off a really bad loss to East Carolina. East Carolina's looked fine in a couple games, but looked really bad in others. I don't like that loss going into this game. I do think Cincinnati's going to win this game. I, I, tr- I trust Bryant enough to make a couple plays and not turn the ball over. All right. Uh, Cody is also going with the Black Knights as well. Um, Wake Forest travels to Louisville. I mean, there's not a whole lot of fantastic games, so we did have to kind of scrape around for some interesting matchups. But Wake Forest, Louisville, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a snoozer. Uh, I don't think this game is going to be particularly close. Give me Wake Forest to win by at least two scores on the road. Wake Forest is going to be gone. Is going to be up and gone by halftime. I think both these teams have electric offenses. So if Wake Forest has a couple early turnovers and keeps it close, then it could be entertaining in that front. But Wake Forest. Yeah, this one's a clean sweep. Cody's also picking the Demon Deacons. All right, we haven't picked a Georgia game since week one. So we're picking a Georgia game today. Georgia playing a neutral site in Jacksonville against Florida, which to go on just a little bit of a tangent, that game needs to be a home-and-home home series. Take it out of Jacksonville permanently. That's just my opinion. To me. It doesn't matter um, to me. But I'm picking the Georgia Bulldogs, obviously. Yes, I'm biased, but even if I wasn't a Georgia fan, just looking at this game, I'm, I'm going to pick Georgia. Florida just doesn't have the cats. They don't have the talent. Anthony Richardson, he has flashes of greatness, but I just don't think he has the talent around him. I think Georgia's going to be able to contain him. Um, Yes, this is a chance for a sleepwalk game. We've already done that this year, and I don't think we're going to do it again. Um, so give me Georgia by at least two scores in this game. Florida Gators, am I right? Like, come on. Um, no, I hate Florida. I hate, hate Florida. Number one most hated team. I, I hate, hate Florida. If they never yes. win another game, I will be happy. Yes. Like, that, that's, that's my, you know that song? Because it's about to be Christmas time. Grown-up Christmas wish. Yes. My grown-up Christmas wish is for Florida to never win another college game. <laughs> to never be relevant. No, no, no. I, I, w- I want them to win so they can get their hopes up. And they freaking cry. <laughs> yes. yes. I cannot stand Florida. Uh, if that my being wi- said. If my wife was a Florida fan, it would have been a deal-breaker. I'm just letting <laughs> you know that right now. It would have been a deal-breaker. <laughs> Good thing Morgan's a Texas fan. <laughs> um, yeah. No, um, with that being said, I'm picking Florida. No, I'm picking Georgia. We're better in every yes. facet of the game, even special teams. I know they have a 450-pound lineman. I don't freaking care. <laughs> Number 21. Yeah. He wears a stupid helmet, too. <laughs> yeah, those new helmets are so dumb looking. I can talk about that every week. I want to talk about it every week. I hate the new helmets. <laughs> yeah. I hate them. It makes, it makes you look like a Power Ranger. Like... And not even just, the good ones, because I like right. Power Rangers. Yeah. 
Sorry, right. we got to get off the freaking helmet talk. Yeah, yeah. Cody is also picking Georgia. Surprisingly, see that's how you know we're over there. We overmatch them. If the yes. Georgia Tech grad is picking, frick Georgia Tech too. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Cody's not going to want to edit our podcast now that you hear her do say that. All right. Notre, Notre Dame travels on the road to Syracuse. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm picking Syracuse in this game. I, I don't think Drew Pine is a good quarterback. I don't think they're going to be able to move the football on this team. Um, and if they would give the ball to Sean Tucker, I think they'll be fine. Um, they've played in big games. I like Dino Babers. I like the way they've played. Um, and Garrett Schrader is actually a very good quarterback. Give me Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. Give me Notre Dame. I think Drew Pine's going to going to outplay the his his ability in this game. And I do think Syracuse is kind of now on this like on the letdown train. They're going to come into this game kind of a little bit down on themselves. They kind of know that they could have beaten Clemson if they would have. Go off a win against Clemson, they're going to destroy Notre Dame. They're coming off a loss. I think Notre Dame's looking for a marquee win to kind of salvage something out of this year. I think this is where they get it inside the Carrier Dome. All right, Cody's also going with you picking Notre Dame. All right, cool. Michigan traveling to Michigan State, which I think I got that wrong because I, somebody else told me that it was in Ann Arbor. So, it is in Ann Arbor. Okay, so then I got that wrong. It's Michigan it's State a, traveling to well. Michigan. Um, I'm, uh, good thing we had a redo. <laughs> yeah, good thing we had a redo because we had said it was at Michigan State. So um, why don't you pick this game first, Mitchell? I've got, I've got three words, and then I'll give my pick. Britt Gretchen Whitmer. Go <laughs> Michigan. Okay, I think Michigan's going to win this game. I do think it's going to be a little close. It's a rivalry game. Harbaugh has struggled with Michigan State historically. I think J.J. McCarthy is going to be one of those things where he's got he's to he's play in the second half. He's going to have to play. Michigan really hasn't played anyone except for Penn State. They dominated that team, so that gives me a little bit of hope in this one. But any team that Gretchen Whitmer's going for, I'm going to go against. Give me Michigan. <laughs> yeah, give me the Wolverines. Um, you know, I, I like the way I, I like the way that uh, our one of our favorite podcasters, Jake Crane, puts it. The more that I watch Kenneth Walker in the NFL, the more I want to put my money on Michigan because the Michigan State team looks exactly the same as they did last year, except with Kenneth Walker. And they can't run the football. Peyton Thorne doesn't look good. They have a terrible secondary. Give me Michigan. I think it'll be close for a while. Give me a fourth quarter. Uh, they start throwing the ball a little bit more, and Michigan pulls away and wins this game by at least 10. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Um, and Cody's also going to pick the Wolverines. Um, Oklahoma State travels to uh, Kansas State. I was trying to think of the city, but I can't remember the name. Is it Lawrence or is that where Kansas That's is? That's where Kansas plays. Okay. Then I don't remember what city. We're not in Kansas anymore. Kansas State plays in. Either way, um, I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. Um, I think Spencer Sanders has 11 career wins against ranked teams. Um, I think quite a few of those coming on the road. Um, again, Oklahoma State always has a – there's something charming about Oklahoma State because they always reel me in. They reeled me in. They lost to TCU, and I was like, man, they did it to me again. But you know what? They're doing it to me again. They're reeling me in again. It's like that toxic relationship you just can't get out of. And I just keep going back to them. 
I believe in Oklahoma State. I picked them to go 11-1 and this year and losing the conference title game. Stick into my guns. Give me the Cowboys. Well, I'm about to flash something on the screen. Kansas State plays in Manhattan, Kansas. Okay. <laughs> Manhattan, Kansas. Manhattan, Kansas. And for that reason, I'm picking Kansas State. I think Deuce Vaughn's going to be fully healthy. Adrian Martinez, I think, will play in this game. Oklahoma State has not been able to stop the run all year long. When, when Texas was running the ball last week, they couldn't stop it. This is going to be the same. What does Kansas State do best? Run the football. Kansas State's winning. All right. And Cody's get your hopes gonna, up again, Zach. Cody's going but... to go with uh, the Pistol Pete in Oklahoma State uh, and the possible, the possible future college of our buddy Joseph Ledford. So, Oklahoma State, go Pokes. Go yeah, pokes. go Pokes. He's well, thinking about a, he's thinking about ABAC or Oklahoma State. And I was like, well, let's just go to Oklahoma State, dude. Those are big <laughs> ones. Yeah. All right, so Ohio State and Penn State. Ohio State traveling to College Station um, to play. Is it, it is called College Station, isn't it? I think. No, it's called Happy Valley. Happy Valley. What a... College Station. Mess, Texas College Station is taking it. Texas A&M. Happy Valley. Traveling to Happy Valley to play Penn State. Um, I do think Penn State's going to be able to keep the game close for most of the game, but Ohio State's going to pull it out and win this game. Um, I don't think there's. I don't think they're in any danger of losing it, but I do think Penn State's going to come out and play emotional football. Uh, I do, I'm not crazy about the whole James Franklin complaining about the tunnel at Michigan. It seems like he's too distracted with that, not focusing on a big game with Ohio State. So give me the Buckeyes to win, but I do think Penn State. I still think they're a good team. I don't think they're as good as Michigan and Ohio State. I think they can keep it close for a while, but they're going to ultimately going to lose the game. I agree with you. I think this game is close, but I, I trust Stroud more than I cl- trust Clifford in this game, and then I trust the weapons of Ohio State. Jackson Smith and Jigba is finally getting help. Look, they've not played with Jackson Smith and Jigba playing a full game all year, and he was my Heisman pick. But you know who stepped right in for him? Marvin Harrison Jr., yes. who's a freak. He's a freak, and they are really good. They're starting running back for the years, not even their starting running back now, with Mayan Williams taking over. Ohio State's loaded at every position. This game could be close going into the fourth quarter, but I think at the end, the score is going to indicate a much, a, a very wide margin. I think Ohio State can pull away that much. Percent chance that Drew Aller becomes the starter at some point in this game? 45, 50%. 45%. I think if they struggle early, Drew Aller's in. Yeah. What, what do you have to lose with Sean Clifford? You know what you're going to get with him. Yeah. I think Drew Aller's going to be a superstar. Drew Aller's good. Yeah. All right. Then there are game of the week. Kentucky travels to Knoxville to play Tennessee. Again, I'm going to give credit where it's due. The nightmare checkerboard's going to look pretty sweet. It will. Those all black uniforms look pretty cool. Very Halloween-y. But I think I'm, I'm going to pick Tennessee in a struggle win. I think it's going to be a close game. I think, you know, they're they're riding high right now. They 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 beat Alabama for the first time. Tennessee fans are getting a little crazy, getting a little wild, getting a little overconfident. And I think Kentucky's going to come out and play hard. And if they sleepwalk through this game, they will lose. Yeah. But Kentucky is going to play hard. They've got good defense. Kentucky does not this this Kentucky team does not get blown out. They lose, but they do not get blown out. I don't think that's going to start this weekend. I'm going to pick Tennessee to win. 
Okay, so for any of my in-laws are listening, Tennessee is going to win, but I don't think they're going to blow out Kentucky. No, I couldn't agree with you more. You said it. You said it really, really nicely. Whenever you were previewing, like the "don't look ahead" or "don't get caught sleeping," um, the, Kentucky has a great secondary. If yeah. Georgia did, if Georgia didn't exist in the SEC, Kentucky would have the best defense in the SEC. They are that. They're that good. They're that consistent. If the offense can do anything, I mean, you think they they could do something? Tennessee doesn't have the greatest defense in the world. All signs point to Kentucky being able to win this game. But it's in Knoxville, and that's going to give Tennessee the advantage in this game. I think Hendon Hooker is going to be it's going to have his worst game. This could be their LSU-Auburn if they end up trying to run the table all the way. This could be their LSU-Auburn, their low struggle win. They're not going to score 45 in every game. I think it's yeah. going to be back-to-back weeks they don't score 45. But I think they win this game. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not stupid. I need points. If I need, I mean, obviously I need points. So I might have gone with Kentucky, but give me Tennessee. I think they're going to win. I want them to be undefeated coming into that. Yeah. As much as a lot of people don't say, I'm sorry, I'm going to get on. Why don't you want big games in Athens? That's how you. That's what I, you play. I, I think it's a crying shame that it's not a night game. Crying shame, it's not a night game. Three th- I mean, we they we are CBS, we are the CBS, second the second team in history, the second defending national champions in history to not get a primetime game the following year. That's a crying shame. We don't get to see the red lights once this year. We don't get to see a prime. We we haven't had one 7 o'clock home game this year. The only other chance we have is Georgia Tech. That's not going to be a 7 o'clock game. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. no, we play play a bad team on the road, don't we? Or no, that was Kent State was our second bad team. No, we played Missouri at a primetime slot. We have not had a primetime home game once this year. This should have been the chance. This is when it should have happened, and they put it at the 3.30. Zach, don't worry. We'll be in prime time when we play on January 6th. <laughs> I understand that, but the people in Athens deserve a prime time right. game. Right. This, so. this, look, CBS, you wasted your 8 o'clock game on Alabama-Texas a Yes. You could you have wasted. put LSU-Alabama at 3.30 and had Georgia-Tennessee right after them. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Yeah. But no, you had Georgia Auburn and Texas A&M Alabama. Crying shame. That's why you shouldn't book ahead so much. Yes. Flex time slots. Yes. All right. Let now, C- Cody picks Tennessee. Let's go into our cousin's choice and bold prediction, and we'll wrap up the show for today. Um, we we have to pick what we've already picked. We can't change our answers, or we're going to act like I, oh, I we'll not what I'd said. I'm going to be honest with you. So, probably your pick. There, yeah. Mine was uh, mine for you is Rutgers at Minnesota. Minnesota's a 15 point favorite in this game, and you had picked Rutgers, Rutgers to, cover. to cover. Rutgers, yes, covers, you picked yeah. Rutgers to yeah. cover. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about that game, or you just want to leave it at Rutgers? No, covers? I don't really know about either. I mean, Mohammed Ibrahim, Tanner Morgan. How are they going to play? Sometimes they look really good. Sometimes they look really bad. I don't know if Tanner Morgan's going to play. I think it's going to be Ethan Kaliak Manis again, and he didn't look that great. Whoa! Did you just give up. Did you just curse me. Ethan <laughs> Kaliak Manis. He's awesome. their backup quarterback. That's pretty cool. That's uh, he's cool, a he's I think he's Greek or something. And That's his cool. brother is also on the team. His twin brother. His name is Dino Kaliak Manis. That's awesome. Um, I want him but, to be a starter next year. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Ethan is 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 good enough to win that game. So I that's a, that's a solid pick. Or I think they will win the game. I think they will win the game. But 
they're not going to win it by a bunch. I think it should be Athens Kalagmaki. Yeah, it should be. But all right, your pick for me. Yeah, North was. Texas versus Western Kentucky. North Texas is a ten point dog in Western Kentucky. The Mean Green. Do they win? Do they cover? Or does Western Kentucky cover? I picked North Texas to cover uh, in this game. Um, I, I like the way North Texas has been playing. Western Kentucky has struggled on the, especially on the road this season. Give me, uh, give me uh, North Texas to cover. All right, and then Cody. Cody's bold prediction was Georgia Tech does not win, but covers the twenty-one and a half point spread against Ooh. Florida State, which he better pray, pray that Zach Gibson is not starting. That was one of the, he, that guy's one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play the game, and I've witnessed Joe Cox play quarterback and Bryce Ramsey. <laughs> I witnessed Faton Bauda play quarterback against freaking Florida. <laughs> Faton Bauda, look, look, look. I, I know we, I know we like to say that Joe Cox was the worst quarterback in Georgia history. But I think it was Faton Bauda. I think Faton Bauda was worse than Joe Cox. But let's one not start. get into that. One let's... start his whole life is again. It's the biggest game of the year against a really good Florida team. He a turned the ball in like four times. He threw four interceptions. Threw four interceptions in three quarters. Who was our quarterback that year? Was that was that the Bryce Grayson Lambert? No, 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 no. Grayson Lambert was after. That was Jacob Eason here. Um, I don't know. I don't know. He shouldn't have started the game. Maybe it was Hudson. Was it Hudson Mason? Hudson Mason. We've had some bad quarterbacks. <laughs> I know. We've had some bad quarterbacks. We've had some bad Hudson and Mason, still, the check down king. Hudson Mason. None of them are as worse as Dewan Mathis. He might be the worst. Maybe he might be no, the worst quarterback. No, I think I'd take DeWan over, over Fatan Bauta. Yeah. Yes. Bauta was like a four-star coming out of high school. It was, you know that was Mark Rick's highest-rated quarterback recruit ever? <laughs> he was horrible. Horrible. Anyways, I don't know how we got on that tangent, but Cody, you better praise Zach Gibson's not playing because he pulled a Reggie ball last week and ran out of bounds on fourth down when he should have thrown it up to win the game. Um, but that's his cover, and that's our show for this week. So, Mitchell, why don't you send us out? One thing I'll say before we go out of here, but tell him about it. I hope you work at McDonald's. <laughs> Sorry. I don't wish ill on you. You just were not a good quarterback. You're no, just terrible. I, I, I wish a lot of ill on you. I wish you have a happy life. Like maybe a manager at McDonald's. <laughs> General manager at McDonald's. You should not be touching a football field ever again. Anyways, that's the show. We're a nice little friendly show. Um, this is uh, this has been another episode of the official review. Um, obviously, my name is Mitchell Graham. That's Zach Brown. You can connect with us on our Facebook page, our TikTok page, our personal pages. If you really want to follow us, because we post about our significant others, that's really all we post about. Um, and, and Zach posts about football sometimes. I kind of stay away from it. But anyways, just just keep liking us up. We might be doing more of these live streams because I think they're a lot of fun. But obviously, we're going to be posting on the podcast network and uh, doing all sorts of fun stuff. So just stay engaged. Uh, We love y'all and we will see you. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the official review. Before you go, I just wanted to give you a couple ways that you can stay connected with the show. First is our email, mgzbsportsnetwork at gmail.com. With this email, you can stay connected. Ask us questions that we will answer on the show. Also, if you want to follow us on TikTok under the same name, we post very, very frequently about everything that's happening. And also, if you just want to check Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts Thursday morning at 8 a.m. for every single episode. 
of the official review. Thank you, and we love you. Peace.